The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. All right. So, okay. So, now we'll, we'll dip our toes a little more into the exploration of self through identity, culture, and race. So, each of us, we have so many identities. We carry around so many identities, whether we're, we know them or we don't know them. I'll just give a list. It's not an exhaustive list, but we have cultural identities shaped by our culture. We have family identities shaped by our family of origin, the way they were, the way we were raised, the expectations. We have gender identities of some kind, sexual orientation, we have racial identities, we have identities associated with our ethnicity, where we're from, where we're born, where we've lived, perhaps where we're living, We have educational identities. What we studied, what we didn't study. (laughs) We have work identities that we take on in our workplace. We have role identities, the, the roles that we play with respect to either our family or friends or maybe we're the center of the family or the center of, you know, friends or we're on the outskirts or maybe in a partnership or not. It's just the role. So we have identities associated with our roles. We might have identities associated with our age. <coughs> Young person, old person, want to stay young person. <laughs> Identities associated with our health. I'm a healthy person, I'm an outdoors person, active, or I'm, I'm not healthy, I have pains, I have chronic illness. We have identities associated with that. Our personal characteristics, I'm smart, I'm dumb, I'm lazy, I'm hardworking, right? And these are all subtle. There may not, may not be these big, huge flags we wear on top of our heads and announce ourselves to the world who we are, right? They might just be very subtle ways we see ourselves, just very subtle here and there. And again, this list was not exhaustive at all. One interesting thought experiment I read years ago in this book by Milan Kundera, my favorite Czech author. The name of the book was Identity. 
Healing is a good book. And one thought experiment he suggested is take one of these identities, and I think in his case he was taking the work identity. What if you got stuck in that identity in the rest of your life, in the rest of the way you are with other people? Imagine that. Take one of the identities. Work is usually a good one if you have one. And then take that and then take the way you are, say, if it's in a cubicle world you live in, and then take that to your family and take that to your friends and take it. Right? Disaster. Disaster. Isn't that interesting? But we all have that, the way, especially I... I, um, as, as a woman in, in, in engineering, I, just the way I used to dress, the way I used to look, the way I used to, I mean, this years ago, especially when I was younger, um, just trying to, you know, the voice I would have would be a little, you know, a little more, like, you know, authoritative, so I would be taken seriously. But just all of that, right, these identities, the way we, we inhabit um, our identity, whatever it is, it's interesting. So some, some internal identities are downright unhelpful um, and they're not a source of confidence. The ones like, I'm dumb, I'm lazy, I'm excluded, I'm not enough, I'm, you know, fill in the blank. They're just downright not helpful, those kinds of identities. And... It's helpful to actually have clarity about have a clear sense of our identities and and um, and the ones that are just not helpful to see them clearly. Then there are some internal identities that could be a source of strength and confidence, especially if they're moral ones, if they're not held too tightly. So what do I mean by that? Say, um, my identity as a person who always tells the truth or is generous and is kind as an identity that oh that's 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 i feel that's who i am and in a way it helps me continue to 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 be that way as long as it's held too tight if any identity is held too tight as we talk about it more it becomes a, a source of suffering so even if the identity is positive um we start to suffer if we don't see ourselves that way. Oh, I, I, I couldn't be generous. I wasn't generous with this person. Oh, I'm not a generous person. How terrible. I'm terrible. I'm awful. Ah. It becomes a source of suffering internally. And also it can become a source of suffering externally. Where, oh, to the person, it looked like to that, you know, to the community, it looked like I wasn't being generous. Oh, <gasps> they don't see me as a generous person anymore. Oh, so so holding that identity really tightly now becomes a source of suffering because you're holding it so tightly, whereas it's something that that can be a source of so- suffering or stre- a, a source of strength. And there are some some identities that can become a source of suffering from interactions, from societal interactions. So there's still in a way kind of... So so there are some internal identities that can become a source of suffering because of societal interaction. What do I mean by that? So 
So um, I studied computer science, and in graduate school, I often was the only woman in in classes uh, and in projects. And I remember, in um, there was one time when I was TAing a course. Actually, there was a, there was me and a guy. We were the two TAs for this for this course, and there was this um, professor who. Whenever the two of us, the two TAs, teaching assistants, we went to ask him questions, um, I would ask a question and he would just not look at me. He would look at the guy and answer the question. I felt completely ignored, um, completely. And I took that on, because I'm a woman, because I'm a woman, he's completely not see me. So, so for me, that was a source of suffering. Whereas, well, you know, he's he, maybe he's shy. Maybe he's I don't know what what it is. Maybe he's just in, so it was an internal source of suffering, regardless of what he was doing. Um, well, I mean, it's his problem, right? It's really it was his problem, not mine, that I was the one. But at that point, I made it into an internal problem, an internal identity and source of suffering. And then there are external, their identities, external identities that can become a source of suffering. Um, so, so a lot of times in the pre- previous ones that we talked about, um, one can think of them as constructs or not. So a construct that I'm generous or I'm lazy. It's a construct, right? It's just, it's all in the behavior, not so much a construct I am. Um, Sometimes the the way the society sees us and treats us can actually be a source of suffering. So, so as an example, a really fresh example I want to give you is as an Iranian American, there's some reg- legislation that's being passed in Congress right now. Something passed last week and more being passed, without going into too much detail. Um, that because of where I was born. Um, basically, I'm I, I'm going to become a second-class U.S. citizen, even though I'm naturalized. When, whenever I travel to Europe, I have to get a visa. Whereas, say for example, Bruni, also a U.S. citizen, wouldn't have to get a visa to go to Europe. But as a U.S. citizen, I have to because of where I was born. So, where. This has been happening in Congress, and you know, there's a lot of details about this I want to go into, but as it's been coming up, there's this feeling of, really, my adopted country is doing this to me, treating me as a second-class citizen? And what next? So brought, has brought a feeling of anger, has brought a feeling of, of fear, um, of anxiety. So, the suffer- so, so there is actually something that's happening in the world, right? And But... But the suffering is internal, right? So we talk more about how to hold these and all of these later. But I just want to throw out a range of ways that internal identities and external identities can cause, um, can cause, can be a source of suffering or not. There are ways also to hold this so that one actually, well, I'll just get into it and we'll talk more about it, but, but holding it from a place of this what, what I just told you about holding um, all of this with a sense of <sighs> I can hold the 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 sense of injustice, the the fear, the anger, and um, 
I can continue to write to representatives and send you petitions around by doing it from a place of, of ease and peace because I'm the one suffering with all the turmoil, right? What's happening in the world is going to continue to happen, but if I continue with that, with associating with that source of external identity, what's happening, I'll continue to suffer. But I can be from a place of peace and continue to act from a place of wisdom, but not burn in this turmoil of the injustice of it. Yeah. So, um, <coughs> adding to, to what um, Nikki is saying, um, an, another example is when I moved to the continental U.S., I moved first to Ohio, and, and it was t- to work there. And... Um, there was, I, I came with, in my mind, you know, I'm Puerto Rican. That's, there's not a lot of explanation about that. It's just, this is where I come from. And so, um, there, there were a lot of questions about where I was coming from and, and, and how we were in Puerto Rico and what brought me here and and there was a, a lot of enthusiasm uh, from many people in, in learning, you know, learning and, and sharing. And, um, and then all these different concepts came into my awareness that I had no idea where they were coming from and why they were mentioned. I didn't understand, um, you know, concepts of, or, or words as um, Hispanic, Latino, Latina, um, uh, people of color, um, a, a young woman. It was very emphasized, young woman. Um, so all those different things that I started to understand that they were some ways other ways in which people were seeing me and other ways in which I was seeing them too because I was like, I don't understand why this is... I don't understand how we're relating. And, and I didn't understand how exciting it was to learn about Puerto Rico. I just was like, what is the big deal? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came to California. And I understood then that there was another understanding of those concepts, of those constructs, and, and I was seen different. And I was being different, too, as a woman and uh, as a lesbian and, and also as, as a Puerto Rican. So how we see, how we create our worlds through, through all these different identities and these different constructs, and, and sometimes how we hold them in a way that, that sometimes is a source of suffering and sometimes is not, um, is, is a way of um, showing that there's learning and exploration for ourselves and for others too. So... The idea of both the way the society sees us and the way we see ourselves, these, what I'm calling the, the internal, using the label the internal and the external identities. Um, I also did want to mention 
that some of that just as I was mentioning this example of feeling like a second class citizen, there are many other external identities in our society that are a source of suffering for a lot of people. Um, so it is well known there are so many studies that if you're an African American and your name on your resume is an African American name, um, it's less likely that you're going to get a callback for a job, or less likely you're going to get a loan, or 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 police is going to stop you because of the color of your skin. More, you know, in, in various cities, we we know about all of these studies that have been published. So there are many things about the external identities that are put on, that that are sources of suffering in, in these ways. So I just wanted to give a nod to that, um, to bring that into the conversation, in addition to sharing the example of, of my own being an Amer- Iranian-American and how that externally seeing, oh, this is where you were born, so you're bad, you're dangerous, you must apply for visas wherever you go, you need to know. And, and to that too, at least, as uh, for myself, as having U.S. U.S. citizenship, um, within within the Latino Hispanic community, that that has been a big area for me of exploration and and suffering and 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 many other things, because there are many of my sisters and brothers that have a whole different way of life and a whole w- different way of being treated because they're not citizens. So for me also, within that community, within that, how, how I see myself and I hold myself in compassion and also talking to others about my own privileges, not only within... Um, Within, within my community in terms of, of ethnicity, um, but also, you know, other, other privileges that sometimes I don't think I, I hold until I am I'm faced with these experiences of other folks. Yeah. So... In, in the practice, we talk a lot about anatta, not self. And here we are talking so much about identity and self. Okay. So how are they reconciled? How do we reconcile the teachings being being in um, this tradition and, and holding these various identities that both internally at times they feel real and externally from the way the society a lot of times sees us, treats us, other people see us, treat us. They, they don't feel like, con- well, it's not a construct, you know, it's, it feels real, right, at, at times. So how do we work with all of this? Um, I'm going to actually not tell you how to work with it all. I'm going to put a question mark next to that because we're going to explore that. So I'm, I'll put a big question mark and and we'll do some exploration together and see what comes up and how, how your, your wisdom mind works with that and holds with that. But just to say, uh, one thing I want to say is the teaching of anatta doesn't mean to, to dismiss um, this identities or does not mean to completely dismiss the self. It's the idea of liberation without discarding our identities. It's the idea of 
of not being defined or limited by them. Because in a way, in the relative reality of this world, in the absolute reality, there are no identities. But in the relative reality of this world, there are identities. And can we hold them lightly? Can we have freedom within them and not be defined by them solely and not let society define us by them solely and have freedom freedom within them, moving in and out of whatever these identities might be, our familiar, our family ones, work ones, racial ones, gender ones, sexual orientation ones, education, personal characteristics, whatever they are, moving in and out of them and holding them. And the self needs to be embraced. It really needs to be understood. It needs to be embraced and completely understood. These identities to be understood and held before you can let them go and hold them lightly. Because if you let them go before you acknowledge them, then it's like shoving them away, right? It's like pushing them away. And like little monsters, they have a way of, ha, 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 you know, coming back and haunting your dreams. So, so before you make, make peace with them and hold them and understand them, like, oh, okay, you, yeah, you can sit at the table. It's okay. You're there. It's fine. Holding him lightly. Yeah. You want to add anything, Bernie? Um, yes, in, in terms of, you know, when I hear holding them lightly, um, it comes to mind to, to, to embrace them fully, to embrace everything that, that I am. And, and embracing it Lightly from a perspective of compassion, from a perspective of seeing everything, everything that comes up, the, the, the joy, the excitement when I hear a song or when I meet someone from my country or the excitement when I, someone says hi to me with a hug or it's a little bit closer, personal space is a little bit more closer for me. Um, Same for Iranian culture. There you go. <laughs> so we're really far. Right? Okay. So, uh, so yeah, that warmth. So embracing everything. And, and at the same time, having that lightness, solid, firm lightness that I can stand in the middle of all in the midst of all things, I can say, yes, I'm here with all this. This is everything. And I just can be without having to discard a part of me. And at the same time, just going from one, dancing, moving from one place to another, seeing what is more wise, how, how I can be here right now in a way that that I'm standing on, on, on the dignity of, of, of this human being here and humanity as all of us together. Yeah. Yeah. So 
um, identities in and of themselves are not a problem. It's just how we relate to them that could create a problem. If we if we relate to them as Gil often holds, I think probably this very uh, stick. If we hold them tight, if you hold them like this, oh, right, my identity. But if you hold them with an open hand, yeah, of course. I can never change that I'm Iranian American or I'm female or I'm this or I'm a daughter or I'm whatever. It, it's, but it is, instead of holding it tightly and, and, and really seeing where there are areas that uh, there is tightness or, or there is um, holding tight. There is, there is, mm, it's not smooth. And then we can, we'll explore it more in a moment. So identities in themselves are not a problem. It's how we relate to them that could become a source of suffering. And, and similarly, they can also become a door to liberation. Um, because life hands us exactly what we need to wake up. So through, through clearly seeing where we are caught, where we are caught in our identities, where we are caught in holding on to something, um, that's where we can find more freedom. And that act of finding freedom through that doorway, then it becomes something that we can repeat with other doorways, with other doorways becomes a practice that we've done with, with one example and we can repeat in other areas. We know what it feels like. So, yeah. Um, and with that, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's something about recognizing where we're at in that exploration. I, I remember... Um, I remember being in a in a six weeks retreat, and all these came up, all these these different concepts and experiences about different identities. And I went to my teacher for an interview, and I brought it up, and she came and said, "I I was talking about you know situations in on in terms of." Um, um, being Puerto Rican and a woman of, of color and being in a white predominant culture. And, and so she came and said, very quietly, but looking at me like, all these are concepts. All these are concepts. And I looked at her and in my mind, it was like there was this thought of, you are kidding me. <laughs> you are kidding me. I was not super upset, but I, I, I was in shock that, that she, like, and, and I'm putting this in, into, into apostrophes, like, she was presenting my experience as just concepts. So I left the, that interview, and I'm like, I just can't believe that, that, you know, I just can't believe within my practice, calling these just concepts, and this is my suffering, and how is possible. And, 
if I would have heard that, if I would have had that conversation years ago, years ago, maybe when I started practicing, I probably would not have come back. I was not ready for it. I was in the middle of it, like a fish in water, experiencing all the confusion and, and also all, all the missing of, of being away from my family and country and, and trying to define myself, finding myself here. I would, not have, I would have left that retreat, probably. And at that moment, the conditions were there in a way that, yes, I heard, I heard that truth at that moment. And with everything that came up, it planted the seed for me, why, why people call, why she's calling these concepts? You know, what? it started an exploration. And there was a little opening there. So there's something to say about honoring our own process. And it doesn't mean that we're going to go, that I'm going to go back and say, well, yes, I, exp- I understand everything. Like Nikki was saying, you know, there are moments of, of anger and there's moments of grief and there are moments of, you know, joy and sometimes moving a little bit into what we call in Buddhism the hindrances and indifference. So, there's a place and a time to cultivate all these different conditions so that we can be present for whatever is there for us. Uh, I had a question. Um, I think it's really great. I really appreciated things people here have said and things you've said. But when we're talking about identity, external, what people are telling you you are, what you feel you are, how those things are linked or not linked, mm-hmm. um, I think in America one big unexplored part is uh, I think many white people are unconscious of the privilege they have. I mean, in my life it's probably been easier for me to get a job than it would have been if I were a person of color, for example. And so when you talk about exploring identity... Uh, I feel many people here are unconscious of part of their identity. Do you understand? So, and I feel like that's a, a, a left out important thing. Yeah. That's yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for bringing that in, Anne. And, and that is a part that, that um, it's important to gently include also. Not in the way of of blaming anyone well you're not aware of your you know you know you're part of the dominant culture and don't you realize and and so but it is true that a lot of us have many uh we're a mix of identities right and being aware of that privilege that we have so um so for example i i have a privilege of education even if I don't have some other privileges, of, you know, being an immigrant. But just, just so we're all mixed up. So it takes a lot of clear, a lot of um, what I think allows us in this tradition to to clearly see as much as much as we can is exploring with with kind mindfulness. 
things that we take for granted, which is exactly what you're talking about. So we cannot just do that as as a as a com- community, but individually. You know what um, what are the things? Um, and sometimes we discover that in dialogue with somebody else. Sometimes we di- discover that in dialogue or or with um, we wake up to the ways that we we have these we have privileges that that others don't so so for for me for example it's been it's been educating myself reading and and watching various um the various documentaries mm-hmm. in in ways that for example a couple of things i mentioned about getting jobs and for for people who are african american yeah or uh, the names are different, or uh, there's, there's some really excellent documentaries. And and personally, at this point, I don't think that I'm um, an expert, or I'm a person who can really teach about that and and educate because I'm still educating myself, and I'm still in the in this. So so for that, I have I have a curiosity, I have an openness. I like to learn more. It it I I'm still learning. So. Um, that's what I can bring. That's what I can bring, which is a stance of curiosity. I'm not as educated to 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 try to to, to teach others, but I do have a stance of curiosity about that. Yeah, for me, uh, in terms of the issue of Buddhism in America, and is it just for white college-educated kids? You know, yeah. um, uh, the best thing I heard was something uh, Joseph Goldstein said. I don't know exactly what he's doing, but he's making some efforts in his group to address this. Right. And he said, I'm just learning so much. I didn't realize how little I knew. I'm learning so much. And I thought that was real positive. Uh, I think sometimes just expressing something like, um, a couple years ago, the person who uh, killed Trayvon Martin, they had a trial in the summer. And um, I was watching on TV and all the commentators, experts, talking about what's going to happen, what are they gonna, what's the verdict going to be and stuff. And I was very surprised when I found out that he was found innocent. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it would be somewhere in between, like manslaughter. And um, the next morning, I was visiting my brother in Chicago, so I was on vacation every time. And um, I didn't plan to do this, but I just went outside and I just walked around. And if I saw a black person who didn't look like they were in a hurry or planning to do something, this was Sunday, so it was more relaxed. This person looked like someone I could approach. Uh, and also, you're on the sidewalk, so if anything gets awkward, either person can leave, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just went up to the person and said, Hi, c- pardon me, could I talk to you for a minute? And I said, I'd just like to say I don't agree with the verdict, mm-hmm. you know. And, and the Trayvon Martin, I don't remember the name, Zimmerman, I guess is the man. And then I would just stand there and the person would just talk to me. Just talk to me. Tell me things about other trials, all these things, how it's connected to other things. Um, I just did maybe, you know, two or three times a day. That was enough. And at a certain point in in my mind, I thought, oh, I should write this down. This is incredible. But then I thought, no, I don't want to do that. All I want to do is just be with this person. And I did find out some incredible stuff. And sometimes I would ask questions and we'd talk Sometimes it's about 20 minutes, half an hour. Sometimes it would be more like 45 minutes when we talk back and forth. I'd ask a question or something. But I feel like that's um, just one way to approach things. Just to say, here I am. 
I mean, I feel my identity is a lot with the ideals of America. Uh, like, this shouldn't happen in America, you know? This is, we have this idea about what the country is, and this is, this is something that shouldn't happen. Or um, the thing of the immigration, you can't come, you know, Trump's proposal, but if you're a Muslim, you cannot enter the States, you know? Uh, I mean, I don't like the idea, but I also feel like, hey, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're running for president. You don't do stuff like that, you know? Um, so anyway, that's part of my identity. Hmm, thanks for bringing that in, Anne. Yeah. 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 Hmm. It's waking up to to how much suffering there is. I think in a way, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to see our own privilege, right? It, it, we can see it more in comparison to see when there isn't privilege, right? Because you can't just wake up and say, oh, I'm, I, can, I can, wow. You, you just take things for granted. Say when you're healthy, oh, you, you just take it for granted. You don't think about people who, who are bedridden and can't walk. But when you meet someone or when you educate yourself when you when you bring it into your your mindfulness in your into your consciousness that's when oh wow i'm really privileged because the mind will take whatever it has it has for granted so just by defi- definition it's hard it's because we have these biases as human beings right it's just just it's built in it's not that we're bad or un- unthoughtful we just can't do that, but when you it's 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 usually in comparison that you become aware. So what you're saying is exactly that: to open ourselves up, it's to open ourselves up to what to people who are different from we are and don't have the same privileges, and especially I think in our society, um, race is a a major one. Um, a, a, a source of historical um, prejudice and suffering. Um, yeah. I taught a uh, people of color retreat earlier this year and had the privilege to, to, um, to be a teacher and the teaching staff of, of, of the retreat at Spirit Rock. And feeling that the historical trauma and and the um, really the the, the, the suffering and, and the both the internal and the external identities associated with that and how painful that is you know as as an immigrant I have I have a different set which are different or not as historical as and. And it, it was quite an education for me, the same way that when you opened yourself up to talking to someone on the street. Um, just bringing in mindfulness where we cannot have mindfulness if we just sit in a room on our own. We just can't quite realize that. So It's been, um, you know, for me, also part of... of, of 
that education not to take for granted just because someone calls me something not to not to take it in just because it's society who is bringing it on there may be uh, moments in which like I said when I moved to Ohio I had no idea that I was seen as a person of color the history that I had the what the the learning that I had in my mind was within how how it was related to racism in in Puerto Rico especially for a um a, for um people coming from african ancestry within my mixed heritage and, and race. So all these different concepts and labels and, you know, we take them delicately and, and bring them in within our own experience because we all, like I said, have our own process. And there's a way of assimilation also that even unconsciously, even within, we, we can make mistakes within that curiosity, within that wanting to learn, being open to maybe me talking to Nikki and Nikki saying, well, I'm Iranian-American, I'm not a person of color. So there, there's awareness or there's openness to to for us to to embrace whoever wants whatever this person in our interaction or ourselves want to relate to the other person so thanks again for bringing that in and <clears throat> partially we're kind of holding back because that's part of a societal level also. We're mm-hmm. holding it for the afternoon, which is more the community exploration. <laughs> so we kind of opened it up now, but we'll come back to that in, in the afternoon. more. And, and so I invite us to come back to um, to more personal level of exploration right now, whatever comes up for us individually. And um, so... Let's uh, let's sit for a moment. A, gu- a couple, a guided meditation before we get into a, a, a dyad of exploration. <coughs> so, sitting on your cushion or chair. Feeling your body present, feeling your breath settling. And bringing to mind all the ways that you are in the world. all the ways in which you operate in the world and you take it, take yourself to be you. 
various roles you have, the ways you see yourself. the ways you think others or the society sees you. And primarily, the way you see yourself. There might be many ways you see yourself. Allow yourself to think of some of the predominant ones. And associated with each one, let yourself reflect for a moment. how each identity is held. Has it been a source of suffering? Is it a source of pain, sadness, fear, anger? Or is the identity held with ease? Is it one that's mixed? Part of it is held with ease, brings joy. And there is a part of it that's stuck. There's some stuckness or tension, or holding, tightness in that identity. With the identities that are held tightly, see if there can be some space holding that tightness with space. If it's okay to be okay with 
with the rub that a certain identity has. Can you be okay with that? There's space enough in your heart. to be with this too. And if the answer is no, and there be space to hold with, to hold the unease, just being okay with the unease. It's okay. Allowing, holding different identities that come up. Having to do maybe with your family, your culture, your gender. sexual orientation. Work, role, age, health, characteristic, anything. Your race, ethnicity, culture. And when you're ready, open your eyes. Coming back to the room. Now what we'll do is an exploration where we share, we speak, and we're a held witness. So we do that in a dyad, in the form of a repeating question, which is a form that is used very often in um, diamond heart approach. Next, I'll explain what we do. Actually, um, well, yeah, I'll explain what we do, and then we'll find pairs. So, so, um, 
so the idea is you'll be in a pair um, and one person will be asking the repeating question for 10 minutes and then the next person will be asking so A will ask, B will answer, etc. So, so as we, so the question and, and the form is this, the form is you asked a question, it's a two-part question actually, the two-part question is, tell me about one of your identities. And then the other person answers, and then the follow-up question is, actually then there's, so, so uh, tell me about one of your identities, the person speaks, and then the person says, thank you. Whoever asked the, the question says, thank you, acknowledging whatever was shared, receiving whatever was shared. Then the, the second part of the question is, and how is that held? How is that identity held? How is it held? And then just whatever comes up, it's held with ease, it's held with tightness, it's been source of suffering, it's, there could be a story there. Whatever answer comes up, then again the person who asked the question says thank you in acknowledging that. And again, the question is asked, tell me about one of your identities. So we'll, we'll show you in a moment how this works just to, to clarify it. Okay. Actually, let's, let's show it. So. <coughs> so if you would ask the question, and I would answer, and then... Okay. So, Nikki, tell me, tell me about one of your identities. Hmm. Um. Uh, I'm a daughter. Say thank you. Thank you. Tell me about um, some of your identities. Oh, actually, the second part of the question is oh, how, how is held. Yeah, and how okay. is it held? Okay. Yeah, great. This See, is perfect. I'm learning See, too. This <laughs> is great because it's like that. Yeah. How is held? How it, and how is it held? Yeah. And how is it held? Yeah, it's um, it's held mixed. It's both a source of joy and also with tightness. There is a lot of responsibility that I feel, and that brings tightness. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Tell me about one of your identities. Hmm. Um, identify as an Iranian-American. And how is it held? And thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> this is planned. Yeah. Thank you. And how, uh, how is it held? Mm. It's held with a lot of tenderness and warmth. It's, there's a lot of joy and, and uh, oh, actually, pride. It, interesting, I hadn't thought about that. Pride about my cultural heritage. Um, and also held with some concern nowadays a little bit. Just a little bit of concern. Yeah, mm. there, Tightness there. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's the form. So the, so this will continue for ten minutes. I'll ring the bell, and then we switch, and then I will be asking uh, a question. Bruni, tell me about one of your identities. Spiritual. Thank you. And how is that held for you? It's held with some confusion and it's held with clarity and it's held with joy. Thank you. Bruni, tell me about uh, one of your identities. I identify myself as Puerto Rican. Mm, thank you. And how is that held? It's held with wanting my mother's food. <laughs> wanting food, especially during this season of the holidays. Um, yes, longing, longing for tradition. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. So that's the, it's a simple form. And what happens, <clears throat> turn now. And what happens is as you continue uh, and you explore more and more, you, you'll find more. It gets more juicy the, the longer you go because you feel like I've run out of identities. And then, <laughs> and then more comes up and more comes up and more comes up. And, and there will be times actually that uh, we didn't demonstrate this, but, but um, for example, say Bruni could ask, tell me about one of your identities. And then actually for a moment, maybe it's at the end of the nine minutes, I might extend it actually just to get you to that point. Nothing might come up. And I say, um, I'm drawing a blank. And then Bruni will just say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and then she'll repeat the question. Tell me about one of your identities. And then at that point, something else probably will come up, or not, I'll just say, you know. So, so it's actually really interesting as you continue this and you really um, speak from a place of embodiment, not from a, pl- from a head space, because the reason why you're sharing is not so much for the person who's asking for their benefit. You're talking for your benefit, because they're there holding witness. They're just being a mirror, holding witness and asking questions. So you, and, and um, you can speak longer. I mean, how is it held? You can go into the story. There's been a lot of suffering. This has happened. We were keeping it a little short right now mm-hmm. as for the demonstration. But so, and there are a couple of questions. Please, yeah. Is it possible? Here, here. Sylvie. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Is it possible uh, sometimes if I'm being asked a question to take the same identity a second time and to do a different yeah, exploration? Absolutely. Okay. Whatever That's comes okay. up. Yeah, see, I'm glad you asked. Yeah, whatever comes up. And you might take that identity many, many times and talk about how it's held. Yeah, great. Well, I'm just curious because before we get into the exercise, there was a question that I had back in my head yeah, when we started about this identity discussions. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that uh, imagine how bad it will be if one identi- identity can prevail all the other identities. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand where it's coming from, but at the same time, what I realized over the past few years 
when there are less differences between these identities and how you perceive them, uh-huh. I could see that um, life was a lot easier, not just mm. for me, for the other people around me. Mm. What I meant by that is, um, so for example, when you, I used to be the manager who kind of all, for my team, performance results, guys. Why are you not bringing this to us as a team? But when I brought kind of my identity as a mom, Mm. so do not approach that as a more result-driven approach, Mm. but rather uh, as from the uh, point of uh, I care about your career success, let's build it together, Uh, what is best for you, not just for me and for the team. So I I started seeing a lot better teamwork and results, results for my team at the same time. When I was dealing with my daughter, uh, instead of having this such an intensity because you're so emotionally attached to your daughter, right? But when I brought my kind of more healthy detachment that I dealt with my team and guys and gave her more space and uh, uh, respected her more as an individual, Mm. I could see that she bloomed too. So Mm. there were many other kind of uh, things like... uh, when I was a girl, I'm, I'm the Girl Scout community kind of leader too, and I brought some of the techniques or identities or approach that I approach that uh, that uh, that role, and brought it to the other realms. I kind of thought that was actually working really well. So yeah. my approach nowadays has been that um, roles are different, but I do not try to have a different identities yeah. kind of approach for these roles. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to be yeah. for what we went Yeah, to, Lovely. To, Thank yeah. you so much yes. for bringing that in. And, yes. and it's interesting. So, so I'm so glad you said that. And I see the difference in, in, in what you're saying, which is lovely, is this flexibility, is bringing mm-hmm. the flexibility of of this expansion of, of care, of metta, into your workplace. It just is, is that flexibility. You're not fixed. I think the example I was trying to, to, to relate from the book, from that, you know, it's, it's that fixedness. If you're taking that fixedness of being a really rigidly particular way and taking that and just applying that in a rigid way um, as uh, in, into another realm. And, and what he was offering in his book was the work realm because people tend to be really rigid. Not everyone tend to be more, t- some people tend to be more, you know, they, they have a persona on, they have a different persona on. I think that's what it was more referring to, taking on a particular persona that's that's not as friendly or is not as approachable perhaps, or is more formal, is more distant, is more, so that was the exploration of taking that identity. But the way you're talking about it is really taking that flexibility, taking the flexibility and taking the lessons. So that's what I see uh, um, in, in terms of the, the difference is more the, the lack of stuckness you don't have the stuckness whereas I was trying to talk about being stuck so I was trying to make a point about stuckness and yours is exactly the opposite it's the lack of stuckness lovely, thanks so much for bringing that in I love that yeah so so with that um, so yeah let's um, let's get into our dyads please choose someone that you like to uh, to sit with today, and 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 I think we are. <laughs> yes, actually, yeah. Wait one second. <coughs> Oops. <laughs> Start. Oh, Start. Okay. So great. 
would love to hear how that was and what you learned, what you discovered from that exploration. There's a microphone there. Please go for it. Yeah. I go for it. All right. <laughs> okay, great. Um, this is very interesting because um, when I first become an interviewer, and uh, um, I, I want to know more. I, I, I just pop out the question, and I realize that I'm not supposed to interfere and stay back. So it just um, immediately after we finish, I told Shelley that it's amazing how much confidence we have on each other, how much trust we have on each other. We just say the things, then you know, it's that deep fear. I was afraid other people to know, but I was never f- afraid for Shelly, for my partner to know. Mm-hmm. And that's such a, a, it's such a, it's such a freedom for you to express it. And the interesting thing about myself, I noticed that I use a couple of the label first. For example, I'm a grandmother and, and the Chinese-American. Then I went to all this um, adjective, you know, the characteristics of myself. Like I'm a pleaser, I label myself a pleaser. I'm supposed to be non-selfish. You know, the thing that I resent, but I label myself such a way people expected me out of that way. So it's very interesting to how I shift to that and see. And, um, and I love to hold that thing lightly. But and I'm still kind of struggle because all these years it's kind of ingrained in myself. And, but it's such a relief to know, to find out. Now the next step is how, how do I hold it lightly? Lovely. Thank, Thank you. you so much for sharing that. I also want to say I, I so appreciate the feeling of, of safety that you're expressing that allowed just sharing so deeply and with authenticity and vulnerability. And, and when it's witnessed, when it's not mm-hmm. so secret, then it's not that big of a deal. It's like, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm resentful of that. Big deal. I can hold it lightly. Now. <laughs> you know, it just makes it lighter. It's, it's lovely. That safety allows it for, for it to come out and be witnessed and be held lighter. So thank you. Mm. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I noticed was, uh, as I, it started to sort of evolve for me, the process of answering how I held it, and I was... It was all over. It was like all-encompassing. I was resentful. I was joyful. I felt love. I was bored. I was, and so it, you know, it that was that was my experience of equanimity. Like it was all the same. You know, it was all one wasn't better than the other. Joy wasn't better than frustration, and um, so I guess I got into sort of sharing my experience of those of those identities, and um, and they all had all of that. But I give, you know, in my own mind, when I don't speak it, it all has such significance. And it is better to be joyful and loving than it is to be frustrated. You know, it's, 
it's always compounded, right? It's always like frustrated and that's not good, you know? So there's always like a super imposed things on my judgment. So it was so liberating to just express it all without any, um, um, you know, any reservation or any, any judgment, any judgment. Lovely, thank you. It is a, a wonderful way to, <clears throat> to, to, hold, to hold all these different identities, like you were talking about, whatever shows up, to that acknowledgement. There's so much liberation within that, just naming it, and, and so much freedom within that. Yeah, wonderful. I'm reminded of the, the poem by Rumi, the guest house, welcome and entertain them all. You know, the yes. guests that come, they're all identities, they come, they go, you know. They, one causes grief, one causes joy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. What else came up? What did you learn? Yeah. So. Um, I would echo a lot of the things that um, was just said, so I'm not going to repeat that. Um, um, What I discovered is that um, I held a lot of pain related to identity um, at many levels. So, um, yeah, now I'm... You know, I'm kind of wondering, is is it good to even have this identity? (laughs) Um, I guess Kim was asking that, that same question earlier. Um, so, but the exploration was good to actually realize that, um, you know, many of those pain I had kind of um, had kind of um, avoided just to kind of be able to uh, leave. <laughs> um, and so, being able to actually open the door and see the the darkness. Um, in a safe uh, environment. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you just answered your own question. The, the question that you were saying, Kim, brought, is it, is it good to have those identities after all? It's, it's, not, it's, it's the seeing them. It's the seeing them and acknowledging them and then holding them lightly because they're there anyway, whether or not they're seen or not, whether in the, in the dark, whether they're, they're the monsters in the closet, or you see them in the light. They're there anywhere, just seeing them and holding them lightly. (sighs) Not attaching to them, not letting them haunt you. And see the the different ways in which we relate to them and how we, sometimes we relate differently depending on the day. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I just want to point back to the I think you mentioned that the, the safety and the freedom that you felt in expressing and exploring, right? Is that safety that another, that that caring gaze, a compassionate gaze of another in this community as we're holding it is can provide? That sometimes we don't provide for ourselves. We have the judgment. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that I would have been able to, um, you know, be sitting in my living room and ask myself those questions. Okay. I think it would have been really depressing. Um, 
but you know this exercise I really found it was it was really um, extraordinary and I, you know my first reaction was like wow I should do it with all my friends <laughs> but uh, because it's a great way but but then what you just said is like I don't know that I would have that level of safety with all my friends actually it's very interesting So one of the really um, wonderful things I learned from our, our dyad was, you know, we asked who would go first, and um, Sylvie wanted to be the questioner first, and so then I shared first. And um, if I can share this afterwards, she said that that was part of what helped it be safe. And that's been a dilemma for me sometimes. You know, I felt like it's important to hold back and listen first to other people. Um, and yet, there's this thing of saying enough for someone else to get relaxed. So that was a real gift of being able to have the dialogue and, and feel that going back and forth between us, you know, you holding space for me to feel safe to say really true, very personal things and then receiving it and giving it. Thanks. Other reflections? What came up? What did you learn? Um, I guess I learned about how limiting a lot of these beliefs that I've had are and just sort of seeing things as self and other and ways of differentiating people and labeling people and, you know, different binary systems of logic, um, you know, ways we, you know, self, other, even is a binary, right? Um and just kind of continuing for me to embody a liberal kind of way of thinking, you know, without all of these expectations and limitations, um, just seeing people as they are, mm -hmm. you know, which is pretty tough. And, you know, I guess I'm used to judging or consuming media and immediately there's an image and you don't get depth, you only get an image. And I get used to doing that, and that's how I perceive people. And know, I guess knowing that, you know, the more people you meet and the more people tell you about who they really are, knowing that you can't, you know, you can intuitively judge people, but only to an extent, you know, is that really going to um, help you? Hmm. Loving all the reflections it just seems like it was an interesting exercise. Yeah. Any other reflections before we break for lunch? 
And it would be lovely to hear from anyone who hasn't spoken today yet. Or anyone who has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> going to say something earlier about how to hold it, but it feels like basically, I think the, you know, how to hold all the identities, but I don't think there's any need for any more words at this point, because it sounds like the exercise that you've done is experientially, it is a feeling of, wow, all these identities and how to hold them or not and see them, so we'll just leave it at that, and if there's anything that needs to be said after lunch this afternoon, we'll come back to it. How does that sound? It feels like the energy is too precious right now to, yes. to throw in any more word. I, it just feels like it was, it was a nice exchange. So, so we'll a break for lunch now for an hour. So we'll be back at 1.40 for the afternoon. Thank you so much for your practice. Mm-hmm.